2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
3: We certainly hope you're having a good Thursday so far. Andrew Bogish in for DA. Welcome back. CBS Sports Radio, the free Odyssey app, the CBS Sports app, Sirius XM 158. But unfortunately, still no YouTube or Twitch. Hopefully, you guys are surviving without being able to watch us be idiots for these four hours, but that gift, that angle returns for you on Monday when our fearless leader returns as well. But for now, it's me, it's Botcher, it's Wall, it's Schwartz, and it's you at 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227, all on a thirsty Thursday. We are toasting the good life, as always, on this Thursday. We will do hours later this hour You send us yours at Andrew Bogish at CBS Sports Radio on X, formerly known as Twitter, which has become probably the most typed and read half sentence in our country. I mean, every because everything happens on X announced this, said this on there. And that's how we've decided to write it on X, comma, formerly known as Twitter, comma, sentence continues. So that's where you can send your toasts on this Thursday. As I watch Perry Manassian, the Angels GM, looking like a guy who just heard his best player has a broken arm, uh, announced that Shohei Otani has that UCL tear in his elbow. I think this broke at like 1 a.m. Eastern, if I am But I was certainly asleep. Woke up to a full screen on my phone of alerts. And Otani... Because he's already done it once, we'll try to play through it. He's not going to pitch again this year, but he's going to keep hitting. I I don't fully understand why that's going to happen either, because they're done, they're cooked, they're out, especially with Mike Trout going back on the injured list with a recurrence of his hand issue. So they were already done. Now they're definitely done. I don't know why you wouldn't just dive head first into rest and rehab. And my gut tells me, just like the last time in 2018, that some point in the short term future, we're going to be told that Shohei Otani needs another Tommy John surgery. He tried to get through it back in 2018 with just rehab and PRP shots and whatnot, and eventually, I it said it's not working. Let's have surgery. Now I'm pretty sure, and we'll all might know this better here in you know where Masahiro Tanaka I think pitched for years with a tear in his UCL. So, like, guys have done this. You don't have to have Tommy John surgery. You, you can pitch and survive and exist through that. But it just feels in my very unscientific memory that most guys try and fail to do it without surgery, then have surgery. And surgery for Otani here would mean no pitching at all next year, so he would just be a hitter. And the last time he had surgery, it took him two full years to go back to being true Otani, danger on the mound, danger at the plate. So now maybe we're talking about 2025, maybe is the next time we see him doing both of these jobs and doing them so well.
4: Yeah, no doubt. But the thing is, um, I know Peter, you know, kind of sprinkled in during his update. Is he still going to get that payday? Yeah, he's still going to get that payday. And Most of the time, and I think we can say maybe 90% of the time, pitchers that come back from Tommy John surgery, they come back even better and stronger when they're in their prime. Tanaka's still going to get, not Tanaka, but Otani is still going to get that payday. And yes, Tanaka did uh, have that partial uh, UCL tear. All he did was rehab. He's definitely going to get paid. But now the question is,
3: how much does he get paid? How long does he get paid? And... If the price tag comes down a little bit, does that in any way bring the Angels back into the mix? Because maybe now it's a more feasible expense for
4: them. I think a vegan has a better chance eating a cheeseburger than (laughs) Otani going back to the Angels. He's done. He's made it well known. All he wants to do is win. The Angels are like the fantasy baseball team from 2015 to you know it feels like for the last seven years. Anthony Rodon, uh, uh, or Rendon, he yeah. fell off the face of the map after right? winning the World Series yep. uh, with the Nationals in 2019. Yeah, you have Trout, yeah, you have Otani, but other than that, who else do you really have? They've had bad contracts. I think it's safe to say Albert Pujols was a bad contract. Josh Hamilton was a bad contract. Josh Hamilton was a terrible contract. It was a terrible contract, but the Angels have proven, like, They can't win, and Otani's all about winning. I think he's going to the other team in L.A., personally.
3: You're not wrong in that. I wouldn't say that we've perfected Tommy John's surgery, but it happens so often now that we know how to come back from it. But I do think the dynamic changes if he gets a second one. The second one, I think, changes the prognosis, changes what could happen in the future. I'm not, I'm not sure how many guys have come back from a second Tommy John surgery and resumed being the same pitcher they were before it. But he's
4: that gifted. He's that talented.
3: Right. Even if you bring him back yeah. 20%, he's going to be better than most pitchers. I think but-
4: Otani can have three Tommy John surgeries. <laughs> I don't think that price tag is going down. But I, I really I, don't. see. I Now, obviously, somebody is going to give
3: him money. It only takes one person to go, I don't care about Tommy John surgery, number two or number seven. I want him. So there is always that. And maybe that's the Dodgers. Maybe that's the Giants. Maybe that's the Cubs. Whatever. Whoever it is. But I think most people are going to factor this into a projection. Because it was already difficult-ish to figure out how long he could be doing both things. And be at max value as you're structuring payments and whatnot through the the life of a deal. But now you're signing a guy who may literally still have his arm wrap from major elbow surgery for the second time in his career. What if you never get an elite pitcher out of this deal? The hitting is still fantastic. You're still
4: going to get 40 home runs. But,
3: but 40 home runs is not worth $700 million. But 40 home runs and a Cy Young season is, if you're less sure of Cy Young seasons, can you actually go that high on a deal for
4: him? It's too good to roll the dice no matter what it's too good to roll the dice but now the big question is what does otani prefer does he prefer a locked 10-year contract or does he prefer now the short-term contract knowing that he's not going to pitch till like you said 2025 so that was my I, I
3: i think you were um you were out of the room for a second when i said this in the at the start of the show what I, what i think gets maybe I'm giving too much credence to it, is players when they come here from Asia, Japan, they've there's a different loyalty. Is there a scenario now where he goes, I didn't finish my deal with you guys. I had two injuries. I don't know what my future holds. Does he sign a three-year, $150 million contract with all of these incentives and whatever and outs and based on innings pitch or whatever, does he sign that and stay in Anaheim, reprove himself and then go out? I don't think that's I don't think the he scenario thing to
4: prove, you know, despite having well, he's got to do well he
3: might need to prove that he can pitch. I d I don't I, I to me that is a thing he's gonna need to prove to to most people, not everybody, but I, I don't know how you don't wake up today and go
4: Man, we got to redo our calculations on what we're comfortable offering him. It's a fair point, but like I said, I don't think the Angels have a chance to to bring him back, even if it's a three year, $150 million contract and he's got to prove it. At the end of the day, Otani is getting older. You know, you get older as each day goes by, he's made it clear he wants to win. He's going to be on a different team hitting in 2024 and pitching in 2025. But that is the news of the
3: day. Shohei Otani has a tear in his UCL. He will finish the year DHing only for the Angels. He will try, apparently, not to have a second Tommy John surgery, but that may still come down the road. And then he hits the offseason, he hits the winter. We were primed for the greatest free agency chase I can think of based on the type of player that was going to be available and the amount of teams with jaw-dropping bank accounts that were going to try and go get him, and now he is damaged goods. Now he's not the full Otani experience, and we'll see exactly how much this affects teams, how many want to go get him, how long someone will pay him, and how much somebody will pay him. But let's switch gears here to college football and the ACC. Do they want Stanford, Cal, and SMU? At first glance, apparently they didn't. They need 12 votes for any invitation for anybody. And at last check, they had 11, with I think Florida State, Clemson, and NC State and North Carolina saying no thank you. But now, apparently, as of yesterday, there might have been a lean in the direction of reoffering or actually restarting the idea of bringing Stanford and Cal and SMU into the mix. As the Pac-12 continues to fall apart. And as we discussed two weeks ago. The deal remains apparently. Where SMU Boosters. A program that's been dying to get into a Power 5 conference. That boosters are going to foot the cost. Of ACC entry for seven years. That they're going to go. You don't need to give us a dollar from TV deals. Revenue. We're coming for free. We'll pay our own way. And that's upwards of. 200 to 250 million dollars that SMU football fans are just going to pay to save the ACC cash. Stanford and Cal would join as half members. Now the deal with ESPN for the ACC network and the overall coverage is the ESPN's got to pay a full fee for every new member which for last year was roughly 30 million dollars. Maybe it's going to be and it goes up year to year based on revenues and whatnot. So you uh, people have been bumping it up to thirty, thirty-one, thirty-two million dollars moving forward. So let's say that SMU takes none, and Cal and Stanford take about a third of what they could come over the next for for next year. So let's peg it at ninety million dollars. You take it down to about seventy mil, then that gets spread around the other remaining ACC, the existing ACC members. But that ends up not being a lot of money with FSU saying and Clemson saying, you know, at some point soon, we're going to be $30 million behind the SEC and Big Ten annually. And this payout would be less than $10 million. And they'd have to pay part of it to the increased travel costs of sending all of their teams across the country multiple times to Dallas multiple times. So it doesn't fix the problem. It does you know, kind of puts a bandit on a sucking chest wound. It helps a little bit, but really doesn't solve the problem. Obviously, going all the way to the ACC helps Stanford and Cal keep alive, not just their football programs, but everybody else. I told you how good, and you should know, but those two schools are really good at other sports, Stanford in particular, the Olympic sports, so to speak, both on the college level and then producing actual Olympians those two schools do it as well as anybody moving to the mountain west or something like that basically would not destroy but huge budget budget drops players leaving it would do a it would do a number on all of those historically good programs within those schools so at least in the acc and not taking a full share it still would be more money than they would get from that smaller conference like the mountain west so for that it makes sense but it takes us back again to my never-ending complaint that there's no reason why Clemson men's soccer and Stanford men's soccer should be in the same league and that a conference game should be should require you traveling cross-country. That's never going to make sense. It's unfair. It's illogical. And there's enough smart people around that they should figure out a different way to do this. And again, it's some form of just football being its own thing. Let's just get there. But then when you think about it, right, with with all of these Pac-12 schools splintering and going to the Big Ten, the Big 12, or the ACC, how about this for irony? So if this happens, Stanford and Cal, that leaves only Washington State and Oregon State in the Pac-12. So 10 of the 12 Pac-12 schools will have gone to other places. And in those places, in some amount they are going to get paid by ESPN or Fox money that those networks wouldn't have wouldn't pay them to stay in the Pac-12. I don't know who to I don't know who's to blame for this outside of the idiots that have run the Pac-12 and Larry Scott and then George Kliakov, currently. But how does that make sense? You couldn't I, I'm not going to give you money to stay where you are and play your historic rivalries and make geographic sense with your travel schedules. That money couldn't get distributed just to the west to keep the Pac-12 together. But I'm going to pay you to go play games that don't matter, that have no history, that have no rivalry, no tradition. I'm going to pay you similar figures to go play in the Pac in the Big 12, the Big 10 and the ACC. I just I don't get it. I don't get it. How, how could we have not, how, how bad were the people in the PAC 12 at their, and it's the presidents and the ADs. There's a, there were a lot of other decisions underneath two uninspiring commissioners, but these schools are going to get money in different places that they couldn't get at home. The same money kind of definitely from the same payers, the same buyers but they have to completely compromise rivalries, traditions, common sense, and it's going to require sending student-athletes cross-country back and forth, hours on planes and airports. It just, it doesn't have to be like this. It doesn't have to be like this. And I'm sure most of you didn't see this, but North Carolina women's, women's soccer coach Austin Dorrance, who is Uh, one of the best ever to do it, ripped this whole thing to shreds the other day. And then because we get too upset about things sometimes, he had to apologize yesterday. But what he said was right. And what he said was certainly less selfish and closer to reality than the actual selfishness of moving all of these schools around to get every last penny out of ESPN or Fox. And he said he didn't want Stanford and Cal... In the ACC. Because why should they rescue them? That's my competition. They beat me for recruits now. I got to play them in NCAA tournaments. I don't want them around me now. I don't want to help them stay alive. To continue to be in opposition. I know it's ruthless. I know it's heartless. I know kids would be victims in that. But he's right. And if all of these presidents and ADs. Are all to make these decisions. For every last penny. He should be allowed to say what he said on Wednesday. And whoever told him to apologize is not doing their job correctly either. And I know why he apologized because, I mean, sometimes you just have to eat you-know-what. But that's that's how you should be feeling. I'm not going to do Stanford and Cal any favors. It's partly their fault they're in the situation that they're in now. Why are we going to throw them an olive branch and then I'm going to lose to them in important soccer games? I totally get that. I don't get the other part of it. I just don't get it. I don't get Stanford and Cal in the ACC. I don't care about people in the Big 12 or the Big 10. We're going to talk to USC's radio voice, Pete Arbogast, about this to close out the show. I think Pete's a California guy, true and true. So on a personal level, maybe he's got some hard feelings, some deep feelings about the Pac-12 disappearing and USC going to play in the Big 10 soon. But um, first things first, he's got the Heisman Trophy winner, and the lead Canada forward again here in year two for Lincoln Riley with the Trojans. Pete's our guest sounds of Sarah. will begin hour number four on this Thursday Thursday. Thursday Thursday from our vantage point, and some of your tweets as well, right after this on the Da.
0: Call from Mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
5: We're toasting to the good life. I feel a
4: lot. Ah, ah, ah. We are feeling good and doing well. How many beers ago? Ah, probably a thousand. It's the DA Show's Thirsty Thursday. Celebrating with some booskies. We will read
3: your toasts all morning long from at CBS Sports Radio, at Andrew Bogish on Twitter. But right now, it's our turns to toast the good stuff in our life and... He was first on Trash Tuesday. You can be first here on a Thursday. Thursday. Hello
5: again, Peter Schwartz. Good morning. Um, I really didn't have that great of a week. I don't even know Uh-oh. what. I don't even know like what to toast. Well, you can toast me because did I fix your car? No, no, the, issue? It, what, no. Nobody bought into that. Um, well, I'm they, insulted. There's my Sher- Trash Tuesday. Cheryl, Cheryl felt like she, she, you know. It's a few extra quality minutes we get a chance to spend together, taking wow. me to the train. Okay. So that, that and, and, and plus, I think it probably would have thrown off Bradley's, um, you know, day. He's very, very particular about the way he prepares for practice. So I, 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 it didn't, that, that idea, as great as I thought it sounded, did not get approved by Schwartz management. Well, but you know what I'll do. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll toast the uh, the drive-through person at Wendy's last night because okay. they went through for dinner and they forgot the French fries. Uh-oh. And, uh oh. And then they said, "Okay, come back around," and they put two f- orders of French fries in there. So I, uh, let's, two, let's okay. toast Wednesday. Yeah. That's All right.
3: Now, I did say the other day that you have more of these issues than other people, but I've had a strange battle with a Wendy's drive thru in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Where there were like three or four in a row over I don't know, like a three month window where there was always something wrong. Mm-hmm. Now they fixed it and we grew to check before we like left the area, the parking lot. But it would be nice if they just got it, got it right right to yeah. begin with.
5: It's okay if they make a mistake. I have no problem with people making mistakes, so then they give you an attitude. Uh okay. Like, you know, I can th- say I'm sorry and fix it.
3: Yeah. Yeah, mistakes are fine. It just felt like three in a row spread out means that like they have a problem
5: inside the building. Yeah. You ever go to the uh, the Dairy Queen Chillin' Grill? No. Have you ever been? Never there? in my life. It's it's good. We like going there. There was one time though. I remember telling Moraz this, and him being in the food service industry for a while, he appreciated this. My wife went on to uh, went up to to make the order. And my son, uh, my younger son, Jared, wanted a cheeseburger. So she orders the cheeseburger, and the girl says to my wife, and I am not lying, says to my wife, can you just order a hamburger? It's easier for the guys in the back. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I'm, I, I, and uh. my wife comes back to the seat because we were sitting down, and she's laughing. And I said, what's the matter? And she tells me the story, and I'm like, I didn't know whether to laugh or cry. I'd like to have a cheeseburger. Um, you think you could just make it a hamburger? It's easier for the guys in the back. Do they have heavy cheese? I don't understand what their problem was here. I told, this, I told this story to Moraz. He, he's like, how difficult is it to slap a piece of cheese on a burger? Right.
3: The hard part is cooking the burger to the point where it's not going to give me some kind
5: of food poisoning. Yeah. It's not throwing that piece of cheese on top at the end. I I I I think it might have been the most ridiculous thing I've ever I heard. I mean, that's
4: like putting a cherry on top of a sundae, that, right? Yeah, could basic. you imagine,
5: like like going to Carvel, going to Friendly's, saying, "Yeah, I want a you know a hot fudge sundae with a cherry." Eh, you know, do you really need the cherry? It's <laughs> just I have to reach my hand into yeah. the thing and put the cherry. All right, but we've lost our way here. This yeah. is not Trash Tuesday. It's Thirsty Thursday, Thursday. Yeah. Get us back on the good side, Kevin <laughs>
3: Wall.
4: <Sorry. laughs> man that was crazy but i want to give a shout out to my uh my youngest sister christine uh she is moving into college today she's uh gonna be a freshman at tcnj in new jersey and man i remember the when the day that she was born you know and she's going to college today and you know i said my goodbye uh early this morning when i was leaving i gave her a big hug. I told her, have fun. Don't do anything stupid like I did. And uh, it's the best four years of your life. And I officially feel old because, like I said, I remember the day that she was born in the hospital. And now she's gone to college. How far away is the campus from, uh, from it's your house? like 45 minutes. So it's not terrible. Okay. But, man, we're all grown up and we're getting old. So... Christine, shout out to you. Congratulations. Have the best time and don't do anything stupid. (laughs) Now, coming from
3: you, who has done a stupid thing or two, and then your other sister recently went skydiving and turned off all of the digital tracking systems to
4: lie to your parents. Right. That's a tough act to not follow for Let's the just little say, wall sister. If people knew about the skeletons in my closet from college, I probably wouldn't be able to run for Congress. <laughs> Ryan Botcher, what are you toasting? I'd like to toast the great establishment of Dave and Buster's. Okay.
3: So yesterday I really you got Schwartz's attention. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't gamble officially
2: on sports books, so I decided I- to do children's gambling, and I love half-price Wednesdays. I went to Dave & Buster's, you played some games, lose a lot of money in the process because it's not worth it, but it's a great time. Dave & Buster's is by far one of the best places on earth. Amen to that.
3: I'm trying to figure out the closest one to me. I think I know where it is, and I probably should go to it more often because I do video games. Arcade games are great.
4: Yeah. It's a lot of fun.
3: It never, it literally but never so gets old. Away.
4: I know there's one in Times Square in the city. You can't go to that one. But when I was in college, like I went to school in Massachusetts, it was during our senior week. They bussed us to Providence, Rhode Island for the Dave and Busters. Wow. And boy, it was a time. <laughs> I, I, I felt do, like a kid in a candy store. Yeah. I do
3: miss, though, arcade games spitting out actual tickets yeah. that you then had to take to a window and get a ridiculously cheap reward. Now that yep. they just like put them back on a card, it's, yeah. not, it's oh, not the same my thing. My kids have an app
5: now. It's on the app.
3: Wow. Yeah, it's sad. I kind of have like... I don't use the tickets anymore because there's nothing really I need. What are you going to get? I got a, a blanket yesterday. <laughs> a blanket? Yeah, it's actually useful. Okay. Yeah.
2: It was actually not that
3: expensive. What's on it? Pokemon it says, or... It says good at naps.
5: <laughs> okay. So I was like, that's that's got to be a cop. See, my, my kids used to always like play the games for an hour and then go get like the cheapest piece of crap in the store because (laughs) (laughs) they wanted to come home with something. Now, at least my younger son is to the point where he is now saving up those tickets. He's up to over 7,000 tickets and he's waiting to get to the 10,000 mark. I I think there's a pencil. No, it's pencil. No, I think there's like a big box of baseball cards okay. that are like 10,000. So he's like, enough with this crap. Let's get something good. So he's saving those points and banking them for a big one. But he's probably spent $4,000 to get 7,000 no, tickets. He hasn't. That spent. You have. Yeah.
3: And there's probably zero chance that those cars have anything of value in there.
2: Yeah,
5: we'll see. But I appreciate the fact that he's not wasting the points on like a little rubber spider. Okay. I've got to toast um, the
3: legendary voice of the Buffalo Sabres, Rick Jenneret, who passed away last week. He was 81, 51 years as the voice of the Buffalo Sabres. He's in their Hall of Fame. He's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. I keep saying this talking to these long-standing college football announcers. When I was at Fordham learning how to do this, this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a team's voice and have everyone go, you know, because, and again, at Fordham, Vince Scully is our patron saint. And there's an argument that Vince Scully is the most famous Dodger of all time. That, to me, is a remarkable achievement. And Rick Jenner had accomplished that in Buffalo. 51 years as the voice of the Sabres. And you can pick any Buffalo Sabre player, good, bad, you know, whatever. But when you ask Sabre fans to list their favorite Sabres, he's going to be on everybody's list. Dale Howarchuk might not be. Alex Mogilny might not be. Pat LaFontaine might not be. But everyone's going to say Rick It's And everyone in the business that knew him
5: feels even better about him and loved him even more. Yeah, I got to know him when I was in Buffalo. I was in college. And he was the nicest guy in the world. I, I talked about this with Caserta on Friday. Uh, just the nicest man in the world, you know, knew I was at Buffalo State. And I would, uh, and I know some people might hear me repeating this for the second time, but I, I would cover games for my college radio station and I would see him in like the press room before the game. Hey, Peter, how are you? How's everything at Buffalo State? You know, he was just the nicest guy at, in the world and deepest condolences to the Sabres and, and the Generet family.
3: Yeah, and they, um, they're about to have their normal, usual annual chair, uh, alumni golf event, and it just happens to line up with this that he can be celebrated. I think it's the date's the 27th, which is Sunday. They're having a huge event in Buffalo, and all of these Sabre players are going to be there already to be part of this. So... Um, it's a sad time, but it's also a, a wonderful time to remember somebody who mm-hmm. left such an impact on so many people. So here's a toast to Rick Jenneret on this Thursday morning.
0: Hashtag toast them.
3: Booskies. Uh, as for you, Dixieland Dan is toasting who's ever in charge of the AC, the good Lord, Odin, Zeus, Mother Nature, whoever has the remote control. Here's 20 bucks and a cold one. Turn the thermostat down. I'm sweating over here. I I don't... Is that a toast or a trash? Is it too hot or is it too cold? If he's sweating and he wants the thermostat down, isn't that a complaint?
4: That's the second time this segment that we <laughs> mixed up Thursday, right? Thursday to Trash Tuesday. <laughs>
3: uh, Mayo on Twitter, toasting to school starting next week. Love my son, but can I get a break? Get him out. Booskies! A to the men. Now, I've got here in New York, we have to go through Labor Day before our kids go back to school. So I've got a full next week still to navigate. We get the beers off of this. Mm -hmm. That first day back to school, and again, around here, it's either next, it's Tuesday or Wednesday after Labor Day. That should be a day of parent debauchery. (laughs) When those
5: you-know-whaters are gone for seven, eight hours at a clip. Glorious! It was uh, really interesting. First time ever. High school football starts next week. Bradley's got a game Friday, but doesn't start school until Tuesday. That's hard to believe that that's they're a, doing that. That's
3: a little crazy. And I know, and I keep and I heard you outside, and I keep hearing people arguing about this. This whole week zero concept in football. Yeah, college did it first. High school's doing it now. It reminds me a little bit of the well, we don't have a thirteenth floor because. 13's unlucky. You have a 13th floor. Unless you literally built a floor in your building that is empty and nothing is on it, what you're calling 14 is the 13th floor. Right. Here, you can call it week zero. It's week one. Just tack on the number to the end, end. of the damn thing. what's
5: the problem? Why do we have to confuse everybody? Especially, and I don't mean to say this to every sports parent, but we got like the Facebook chat with the parents for the football no, team. We're idiots, and they're like, "What does it mean, week zero? I mean, is, is it like does the game count if it's week zero? Does the game count? Yeah. yeah Again, we're going to be in trash shoes. I don't care. <laughs> There's a
3: beautiful app that we've been using in my neighborhood for for baseball around the country. You probably have used it. It's called Game Changer. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a it's a crazy thing because you can actually log every game, and then it spits out your kids' stats and whatever. So it's remarkable. But it also has an app, a chat function, which is super helpful for the games rained out or practice is canceled. But the amount of dumb questions that get typed into this thing is crazy <laughs> times. Now in the past, only you and the coach knew that you had asked a dumb question because you had to call or whatever. Now when you type it in after the coach goes, okay, guys, 5 o'clock arrival on Saturday, blue jerseys. And your next tweet, your next message is, hey, what time on Saturday and what jersey are we wearing? (laughs) Now everyone knows you're a doofus. (laughs) But Toast Game Changer in general.
1: Yeah. Booskies.
3: (laughs) All right. That's enough of our Thirsty Thursday. Keep yours coming in. Uh, For now, though, headlines once again. Here's Peter
5: Schwartz again. Uh, Well, Bogues, things started off well for the Angels in game one of yesterday's doubleheader against the Reds when Shohei Ohtani hit his 44th home run of the season in the bottom of the first. But when he got back to the mound for the top of the second, something went very wrong. That's going to end the day for Shohei.
1: Yeah, he is going to leave. Yeah, there was been concern, obviously, with missing the last two weeks with arm fatigue and now here just going
5: an inning and a third. Otani leaving the game after throwing just 26 pitches as heard on Angels radio. Angels swept by in the doubleheader by the Reds 9-4-7-3 and 7, 3. but that wasn't the worst news. Otani now has a tear in the UCL in his right elbow will not pitch again this season. Angels GM Perry Manassian was asked about the plan for Otani.
4: As far as plans and details I don't have those yet. You know, he's going to have been in contact with his representation. Um, obviously, he hit the second game. He's played with this in 18. So, um, you know, but with that being said, we'll take it day by day and and you um, will see where it goes.
5: Otani was the DH for game two, went one for five. Tommy John surgery is an option for Otani, who is going to be a free agent and was expected to get a contract in excess of $500 million. Also, to make matters worse for the Angels, Mike Trout back on the injured list. Elsewhere, quite a night for Yankees captain Aaron Judge. Hit three home runs and a 9-1 win over the Nationals that snapped New York's nine-game losing streak. Judge said the Nationals did not pitch around him.
1: The past couple years, uh, uh, Higgy's really worn me out because he had a three-homer game a couple years ago, and he always... Always rubs it in my face when I get to two and I can't get to three. So I was able to go up to him and tell him, hey, I'm, I'm finally in the club. So you can, uh, you can take it easy on me now.
5: A judge on Yankees radio after the game yesterday, it was his first career three-home run game. Now the extra innings in Houston.
1: Here's the 2-2 pitch, and it is swung on and crushed. It is back. It is gone. Adam Duvall, a three-run homer in extra innings. His third of the series, and it's 7-4 Red Sox.
5: The call on Red Sox Radio. Red Sox beat the Astros 7-5 in 10 innings. Other games yesterday, the Dodgers-Guardians game suspended after two innings with the Dodgers up 3-1. That was because of rain. They'll pick that up this afternoon. You had the Orioles over the Blue Jays 7-0, it was the Rays over the Rockies, six to five in ten innings. The Giants beat the Phillies, eight to six. Now to football, surprising news from Jets training camp: wide receiver Corey Davis announcing he's stepping away from football. Head coach Robert Sala addressing that after practice yesterday.
1: My heart goes out to him, uh, him and his family, and uh, you know it's um, uh, we'll always support him with any decision
3: he makes, and uh, you know and we're always here if he needs us. That
5: was. The way that Salah talked about that would would lead you to believe something is wrong,
3: right? I mean, and and even the statement from Corey Davis was like, "I've been thinking about this. I had talked to the, my the teammates about this." He didn't use the word retired. He's he said stepping, stepping away. away. I feel like it was pre- presented as retirement, and you're right. Like I saw that quote written. Now to hear it, it does sound like whether it's like a mental health thing or a physical health thing or somebody else's health thing, Mm -hmm. it does sound like it's not just him deciding that he doesn't want to play anymore.
5: And the Jets put him on the reserve retired list, so they retain his rights. If he decides he wants to come back and play, the Jets would be his option. And then if he didn't want to play for the Jets, the Jets could trade him. But it it was definitely a lot of people were throwing this, the R word around yesterday, retired. right? It, It is not a retirement. It is stepping away and the Jets are just, Making sure that they protect themselves, yeah. and they put him on the list. I mean, do I you
4: think you you will see him again? You know, this season. I don't
5: know. That was very vague. You know, we didn't hear from Corey Davis yesterday. He just released the statement. I mean, right. we only heard from Robert Sale about it and some of the players after practice yesterday. So it's to me, I, I agree with you, Bo. It sounds like a mental health issue. Maybe he just needed a break a little bit. And I know the Jets wanted him to take a pay cut. So I right. don't know if that had anything to do with it, but. Um, so we'll see what happens. The uh, Niners uh, named Sam Darnold their number two quarterback. And Messi-mania continued last night in the U.S. Open Cup semifinals. Inter-Miami defeating Cincinnati on penalty kicks after a 3-3 tie through extra time. Miami was down to nothing in the second half. Lionel Messi with two brilliant assists to get the game tied. Scored a goal in PKs. And now uh, Inter-Miami will face Real Salt Lake in the final on September 27th.
3: Schwartz, thanks so much. When we come back, uh, baseball's... Very serious situation with a very, very good young player in Tampa Bay. The Wander Franco fiasco is next on the DA show on CBS Sports Radio. Closing out hour number two of the DA show on this Thursday morning, Andrew Bogish in for DA. Kevin Wall's here. Ryan Botcher's here. Peter Schwartz is here. Uh, keep your toast coming at CBS Sports Radio at Andrew Bogish. We began the show with Shohei Otani's elbow injury, the possibility of a second Tommy John surgery for him, complicating what well, was so going to be a fascinating free agency session this winter with Otani. That wasn't on the rundown last night when I sent it to the boys initially because this news broke overnight, but we were going to get to a different serious baseball story in Ray shortstop Wander Franco. Now, if you don't know anything about him, he has been a phenom since he was a teenager one of the next wave of great young Rays finds and prospects and developed into a star. And he showed up, and he's basically been a star. Shortstop, smooth as silk, hits for power, hits for average, hits for speed, got some flash. You might have seen him this year. He made a play fielding a ball going up the middle at shortstop and flipped the ball up to himself and caught it and threw it to first base just to have fun. Flashy guy, cool cleats, neon yellow uh, batting gloves he can basically do it all and got a payday from the raise 184 million dollar contract and then just about two weeks ago allegations popped up on social media that he had relationships sometimes it's list it's written plural sometimes it's not with minor aged girls there is a police investigation in the Dominican Republic. There is a baseball investigation going on here. Franco was initially on baseball's restricted list. This week, he was moved to the administrative leave list, which is what Trevor Bauer was on as baseball processed the very serious domestic violence allegations against him. When you're on the administrative leave, there, there, there's no end to it. You still get paid. You still accrue service time which is why, even though they can, players that go on it usually don't appeal because they're not losing what matters most in terms of paychecks and credit for being in the major leagues or wherever because that pertains to pensions and whatnot. And your contract continues to roll. There's enough smoke here to believe something wrong happens the extent of which, we don't know yet. But there's enough evidence, so to speak, that there are people wondering if Wanda Franco will ever play Major League Baseball again, if if he'll ever be allowed to play Major League Baseball again. The most important thing here is the one or multiple girls that are the victims in this situation. And I still, from what I've read, um, not that it matters, but the exact crime, so to speak, is still unclear. But it's hard not to think about, it reminded me a little of the way I felt about the John Morant situation. They're not the same issues, obviously, but the idea of a sport, and as good as Wander Franco is, he does not have the cachet or the trajectory of John Morant, but the idea of a 20 something star just disappearing from the league is something that doesn't happen all the time. And basketball dealt with with John Morant, and hopefully for him as a person, that he's getting through things, figuring out things, and can be healthy and can be happy and can be a good person and can play basketball again. But Wander Franco. Situation here is stark. And there's nobody really kind of pushing back on anything outside of the Wander Franco people who would obviously are going to do that. But there's been no one trying to dismiss these things, spin them oddly, or say they're not real. Everyone's kind of proceeding towards like this is going to end in a way where he might be in jail for a long time, or at the very least, baseball goes, You just can't play here anymore. And whoever is involved with him, I hope that they're okay. I hope that they're safe. I hope that they get whatever help that they need. And in a time where baseball, where so many things are going well for them, and there's so much young talent in this game, and he's on all of those lists. Maybe you don't know his name as well enough as Ronald Acuna Jr. or Julio Rodriguez or other guys like that who are sub twenty five and doing ridiculous things. But Wander Franco is that kind of player, and he's in danger of maybe never playing again. And if this was basketball, if this was the NFL, this would be on. This would be everywhere. That's how significant I think he is in the baseball world. But because baseball is not basketball. Or football, maybe this is the first time you're even hearing of it. But it's bad, and no one seems to think that we're overreacting to how bad it actually is. It's a terrible, terrible, terrible story from every possible angle. We'll shift back to football and Trey Lance's uncertain future right after this.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.